Chapter Fifteen, Part Two of Marie Antoinette and Her Son by Louise Malbach. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maggie Travers in Columbia, Tennessee. Chapter Fifteen, Part Two, Mama Queen. When the general ceased, there was silence that eloquent solemn silence which accompanies those moments in which the genius of history hovers over the heads of men and touching them with its pinions ties their tongues and opens the eyes of the spirit so that they can look into the future and with presaging horror read all the secrets of coming time as if by a flash of lightning such a critical moment in history was that in which lafayette at the feet of the dauphin swore eternal fidelity to the monarch of france in the presence of the unfortunate mayor of paris who was soon to seal his loyalty with his own blood and in the presence of the queen whose lofty character was soon to make her a martyr the moments passed by then marie antoinette bowed to lafayette with her gracious smile rise general she said in gentle tones god has heard your oath and I accept it in the name of the French monarchy, my husband, my son, and myself. I shall always continue mindful of it, and I hope that you will also. And I beg you, too, she continued in a low voice, and with a deep flush upon her face. I beg you to forgive me if I have hitherto cast unworthy reproaches upon you. I have lived through so many sad and dreadful days, that it will be set down to my favor if my nerves are agitated and easily excited. I shall probably learn to accept evil days with calmness, and to bow my head patiently beneath the yoke which my enemies are laying upon me. But still I feel the injury, and the proud habits of my birth and life war against it. But only wait, and I shall become accustomed to it. While saying this, she stooped down to the dolphin and kissed his golden hair. A tear fell from her eyes upon the forehead of her son, and glittered there like a star fallen from heaven. Marie Antoinette did not see it, did not know that the tear which she was trying to conceal was now glistening on the brow of her son, on that brow which was never to wear any other diadem than the one that the tears of love placed on his innocent head. "'Heaven defend your majesty ever being compelled to become accustomed to insult!' cried Lafayette, deeply moved. I hope we have seen our worst days, and that after the tempest there will be sunshine and bright weather again. The people will look back with shame and regret upon the wild and stormy scenes to which they have allowed themselves to be drawn by unprincipled agitators. They will bow in love and obedience before the royal couple, who, with so much confidence and devotion, leave their beautiful retired home at versailles in order to comply with the wish of the people and come to paris will your majesty have the goodness to ask the mayor of paris and will he tell you madame how deeply moved all the good citizens of paris are at the truly noble spirit which prompted you to refuse to initiate an investigation respecting the night of horrors at versailles and to bring the ringleaders to justice is it true monsieur de Bellet? asked the queen eagerly. Was my decision approved? Have I friends still among the people of Paris? Your majesty, answered Monsieur de Ballet, bowing lowly. All good citizens of Paris have seen with deep emotion the noble resolve of your majesty, 
and in all noble and true hearts the royal words are recorded imperishably which your majesty spoke to the judges of the chatelet i have heard all seen all and forgiven all with tears of deep feeling with a hollow joy they are repeated through all paris they have become the watchword of all the well-inclined and faithful the evangel of love and forgiveness for all women of fidelity and devotion for all men it has been seen and confessed that the throne of france is the possessor not only of goodness and beauty but of forgiveness and gentleness and that your majesty bears rightly the title of the most christian queen these nine words which your majesty has uttered have become the sacred banner of all true souls and they will cause the golden days to come back as they once dawned upon paris when the dauphin of france made his entry into the capital and it could be said with truth to the future queen marie antoinette here are a hundred thousand lovers of your person the queen was no longer able to master her deep emotion she who had the courage to display a proud and defiant mien to her enemies and assailants could not conceal the intensity of her feeling when hearing words of such devotion and uttered a cry then choked with emotion and at length burst into a torrent of tears equally astonished and ashamed she covered her face with her hands but the tears gushed out between her white tapering fingers and would not be withheld they had been so long repressed behind those proud eyelids that now despite the queen's will they forced their way with double power and intensity but only for a moment did the proud-spirited queen allow herself to be overcome by the gentle and deeply moved woman she quickly recovered herself and raised her head i thank you sir i thank you she said breathing more freely you have done me good and these tears though not the first which grief and anger have exhorted are the first for a long time which have sprung from what is almost joy who knows whether i shall ever be able to shed such tears again and who knows she continued with a deep sigh whether i do not owe these tears more to your wish to do me good than to true and real gains i bethink me now you say all good citizens of paris repeat my words all the well-disposed are satisfied with my decision but ah uh, i fear that the number of these is very small and that the golden days of the past will never return and is not your appearance here to-day a proof of this did you not come here because the people insult and culminate me and because you considered it needful to throw around me your protection which is now mightier than the royal purple and the lilies of the throne of france madame time must be granted to the misguided people to return to the right way said lafayette almost with a supplicating air they must be dealt with as we deal with defiant naughty children which can be brought back to obedience and submission better by gentle speech and apparent concession than by rigidity and severity on this account i ventured to ask your majesty to entrust me for a little while with the care of your sacred person and in order that i may satisfy my duty that you would graciously appoint the time when your majesty will take your walks here in the park and garden so that i can make my arrangements accordingly 
in order to make a fence out of your national guards protected by which the queen of france may not be visible to the hate of the people and behind which she may be secure against the attacks of her enemies cried marie antoinette no sir i cannot accept this it shall at least be seen that i am no coward and that i will not hide myself from those who would come to attack me your majesty said bali i conjure you do this out of compassion for us for all your faithful servants who tremble for the peace and security of your majesty and allow monsieur de lafayette to keep the brutality of the people away from you and protect you in your walks sufficient gentlemen cried marie antoinette impatiently you now know my fixed resolve and it is not necessary to discuss it further i will not hide myself from the people and i will confront them under the simple protection of god defended by him and sustained by the conviction that i have not merited the hate with which i am pursued i will continue to meet the subjects of the king fearlessly and with unveiled head and only god and my fate shall judge between me and them i thank you gentlemen for your zeal and your care and you may be sure that i shall not forget it but now farewell gentlemen it is growing cold and i should like to return to the palace will your majesty not have the kindness to allow us both to mingle with your train and to accompany you to the palace asked lafayette i came hither attended only by two lackeys who are waiting outside the pavilion answered the queen you know that i have laid aside the court etiquette that used to attend the queen upon her walks and which do not allow the free enjoyment of nature my enemies charge me with this as an offence and consider it improper that the queen of france should take a walk without a brilliant train of courtiers and like any other human being but i think that the people ought not to be angry at this and that they may take it as a sign that i am not so proud and unapproachable as i am generally believed to be and so farewell gentlemen she graciously waved her hand toward the door and with a gentle inclination of her head dismissed the two gentlemen who with a sad bearing withdrew and left the pavilion come my son said the queen we will return to the palace by the same way that we came shall we not mamma asked the dauphin taking the extended hand of the queen and pressing it to his lips you will not weep again if the people shout and laugh asked marie antoinette you will not be afraid any more no i will not be afraid any more oh you shall be satisfied with me mamma queen i have paid close attention to all that you said to the two gentlemen and i am very glad that you did not allow monsieur de lafayette to walk behind us the people would then have believed that we are afraid and now they shall see that we are not so at all well come my child let us go said marie antoinette giving her hand to her son and preparing to leave the pavilion but upon the threshold the dauphin stopped and looked imploringly up in the face of his mother i should like to ask you something mamma queen well what is it my little louis what do you wish i should like to have you allow me to go alone else the people would believe that i am afraid and want you to lead me and i want to be like the chevalier bayard 
about whom the abbey talked with me today. I want to be sans peur et sans reproach, like Bayard. Very well, Chevalier, said the queen with a smile. Then walk alone and free by my side. No, Mamma, if you will allow me, I will walk before you. The knights always walk in advance of the ladies, so as to ward off any danger which may be in the way. And I am your knight, Mamma, and I want to be as long as I live. Will you allow it, my royal lady? I allow it. So go in front, Chevalier Louis Charles. We will take the same way back with which we came. The dauphin sprang over the little square in front of the pavilion and down the alley which led to the Arcadia Walk along the side of the quay. Before the little staircase which led up to this walk, he stopped and turned his pretty head round to the queen, who, followed by the two lackeys, was walking slowly and quietly along. Well, Chevalier Bayard, asked the queen with a smile, what are you stopping for? I am only waiting for your majesty, replied the child gravely. Here is where my knightly service commences, for here it is that danger begins. It is true, said the queen, as she stopped at the foot of the steps and listened to the loud shouting which now became audible. One would think that a storm had been sweeping over the ocean, there is such a thundering sound. But you know, my son, that the storms lie in God's hand, and that he protects those who trust in him. Think of that, my child, and do not be afraid. Oh, I'm not afraid, cried the boy, and he sprang up the stairs like a gazelle. The queen quickened her steps a little, and seemed to be giving her whole attention to her son, who went before her with such a happy flow of spirits, and appeared to hear nothing of what was passing around her. And yet, behind the fence which ran along the left side of the Arcadia Walk, all the way to the quay, was a dense mass of people, head behind head, and all their blazing eyes were directed at the queen, and words of hate, malediction, and threatening followed her every step which she took forward. See! See! cried a woman, with disheveled hair, which streamed out from her round cap and fell down over her red, angry face. See, that is the baker's woman, and the monkey that jumps in front of her is the apprentice boy. They can dress themselves up and be fine, for all is well with them, and they can eat cakes, while we have to go hungry. But wait, only wait. Times will be different by and by, and we shall see the baker woman as hungry as we. But when we have the bread, we will give her none. No, we will give her none. No, indeed, we will give her none, roared and cried and laughed and howled the mob. And they all pressed closer up to the fence, and naked arms and clenched fists were thrust through the palings and threatened the queen and the dauphin who walked in front of his mother. Will he be able to bear it? Will my poor boy not weep with fear and anxiety? That was the only thought of the queen, as she walked on past the angry roars of the crowd. To the dauphin alone all her looks were directed. Not once did she glance at the fence, behind which the populace roared like a pack of lions. All at once the breath of the queen stopped, and her heart ceased beating with horror. 
She saw directly at the place where the path turned and ran away from the fence, but where, before making the turn, it ran very near the fence, the bare arm of a man extended through the paling as far as possible, and stretching in fact halfway across the path, as if it were a turnpike bar stopping the way. The eyes of the queen, when they fell upon this dreadful powerful arm, turned at once in deep alarm to the dauphin. She saw him hesitate a little in his hurried course, and then go slowly forward. The queen quickened her steps in order to come up with the dauphin before he should reach the danger which confronted him. The people outside of the fence, when they saw the maneuver of the man who was forcing his arm still farther in, stopped their shouting and lapsed into a breathless, eager silence, as sometimes is the case in the storm, between the successive bursts of wind and thunder. Everyone felt that the touch of the threatening arm and that little child might be like the contact of steel and flint, and elicit sparks which should kindle the fires of another revolution. It was this feeling which made the crowd silent. The same feeling compelled the queen to quicken her steps, so that she was close to the dauphin before he had reached this terrible turnpike bar. "'Come here, my son,' cried the queen. "'Give me your hand!' but before she had time to grasp the hand of the little prince, he sprang forward and stood directly in front of the outstretched arm. "'My God, what will he do?' whispered the queen to herself. At the same instant there resounded from behind the fence a loud, mighty bravo, and a thousand voices took it up and cried, "'Bravo! Bravo!' The dauphin had stretched up his little white hand and laid it upon the brown, clenched fist that was stretched out toward him, and nodded pleasantly at the man who looked down so fiercely upon him. "'Good day, sir,' he said with a loud voice. "'Good day!' And he took hold, with his little hand, of the great hand of the man, and shook it a little, as if in friendly salutation. "'Little Knips!' roared the man. "'What do you mean? "'And how dare you lay your little paw "'in the claws of the lion?' "'Sir,' said the boy, smiling, "'I thought you were stretching out your hand "'to reach me with it, "'and so I give you mine and say, "'Good day, sir.' "'And if I wanted, "'I could crush your hand in my fist "'as if it were an advice,' "'cried the man, holding the little hand firmly. "'You shall not do it!' cried hundreds and hundreds of voices in the crowd. No, Simon, you shall not hurt the child. Who of you could hinder me if I wanted to? asked the man with a laugh. See here, I hold the hand of the future king of France in my fist, and I can break it if I want to, and make it so that it can never lift the scepter of France. The little monkey thought he would take hold of my hand and make me draw it back and now my hand has got his and holds it fast. And mark this, boy, the time is past when kings seized us and trod us down. Now we seize them and hold them fast, and do not let them go unless we will. Sir, cried the queen, motioning back with a commanding gesture, the two lackeys who were hurrying up to release the dauphin from the hand of the man. Sir, I beg you to withdraw your hand and not hinder us in our walk. Ah, you are there too, madame, the baker's wife, are you? cried the man with a horrid laugh. 
we meet once more and the eyes of our most beautiful queen fall again upon the dirty pitiful face of such a poor wretched creature as in your heavenly eyes the cobbler simon is are you simon the cobbler asked marie antoinette it is true i bethink me now i have spoken with you once before it was when i carried the prince here for the first time to notre dame that god would bless him and that the people might see him you stood then by my carriage sir yes it is true answered simon visibly flattered you have at least a good memory queen but you ought to have paid attention to what i said to you i am no sir i am a simple cobbler and earn my poor bit of bread in the sweat of my brow while you strut about in your glory and happiness and cheat god out of daylight then i held the hand of your daughter in my fist and she cried out for fear merely because a poor fellow like me touched her but mr simon you see very plainly that i do not cry out said the dauphin with a smile i know that you do not want to do me any harm and i ask you to be so good as to take away your arm that my mamma could go on in her walk but suppose i do not do as you want me to do asked the cobbler defiantly i suppose it would come that your mamma would dictate to me and perhaps call some soldiers and order them to shoot the dreadful people you know master simon that i give no such command and never gave any such said the queen quickly the king and i love our people and would never give orders to our soldiers to fire upon them because you would not be sure madame that the soldiers would obey your commands if you should laughed simon since we got rid of the swiss guards there are no soldiers left who would let themselves be torn in pieces for their king and queen and you know well that if the soldiers should fire the first shot at us the people would tear the soldiers in pieces afterward yes yes the fine days at versailles are past here in paris you must accustom yourself to ask instead of command and the arm of a single man of the people is enough to stop the queen and the dauphin of france you are mistaken sir said the queen whose proud heart could no longer be restrained and allow her to take this humble stand the queen of france and her son will no longer be detained by you in their walk and with a quick movement she caught the dauphin struck back at the same moment the fist of the cobbler snatched the boy away like lightning and passed by before simon had time to put his arm back the people delighted with this energetic and courageous action of the queen the people who would have howled with rage if the queen had ordered her lackeys to push the cobbler back now roared with admiration and with pleasure to see the proud-hearted woman have the boldness to repel the assailant and to free herself from him they applauded they laughed they shouted from thousands upon thousands of throats long live the queen long live the dauphin and the cry passed along like wildfire through the whole mass of spectators behind the fence and all eyes followed the tall and proud figure of the queen as she walked away only the eyes of simon pursued her with malicious glare and his clenched fist threatened her behind her back she shall pay for this he muttered with a withering curse she has struck back my hand to-day but the day will come when she will feel it upon her neck and when i squeeze the hand of the little rascal so that he shall cry out with pain 
I believe now, what Marat has so often told me, that the time for vengeance is come, and that we must bring the crown down and tread it under our feet, that the people may rule. I will have my share in it. I will help bring it down and tread it underfoot. I hate the handsome Austrian woman who perks up her nose and thinks herself better than my wife. And if the golden time has come of which Marat speaks, when the people are the master and the king is the servant, Marie Antoinette shall be my waiting maid, and her son shall be my chore boy, and his buckle shall make acquaintance with my shoe straps. And while Master Simon was muttering this to himself, he was making a way through the crowd with those great elbows of his, a slipping along the fence to be able to follow as long as possible the tall figure of the queen, who was now leading the dauphin by the hand, traversing the Arcadian walk. At the end of it was the fence which led into the little garden reserved for the royal family. Through the iron gate, hard by, adorned with the arms of the kings of France, Marie Antoinette entered an asylum, which had been saved to the crown, free from the intrusion of the people, and she drew a free breath when one of the lackeys closed the gate, and she heard the key grate in the lock. She stood still a moment to regain her composure, and then she felt that her feet were trembling, and that she scarcely had the power to go further. It would have been a relief to her to have fallen there upon her knees, and poured all her sorrows and trials into the ear of God. But there were the lackeys behind her. There was her little son looking up to her with his great eyes, and there was that dreadful cry coming up from the quay like the roaring of the sea. The queen could not utter a word of grief or sorrow. She could not sink to the ground in her weakness. She had to show a cheerful face to her son and a proud brow to her servants. God only could look into her heart and see the tears which glowed there like burning coals. Yet in all her sadness she had a feeling of triumph, of proud satisfaction. She had preserved her freedom, her independence. She was not Lafayette's prisoner. No, the Queen of France had not put herself under the protection of the people's general. She had not given him the power of watching her with his hated national guard, and of saying to them, At this or that hour the Queen takes her walks and that she may recreate herself we will protect her against the rage of the people no she had defended herself she had remained the queen all the while the free queen and she had gained a victory over the people by showing them that she did not fear them mamma cried the dauphin interrupting her in her painful and proud thought mamma there comes the king there comes my papa Oh, he will be glad to hear that I was so courageous. The queen quickly stooped down and kissed him. Yes, truly, my little Bayard, yon have done honor to your great exemplar, and you have really been a little chevalier sans pure et sans reproche. But, my child, true bravery does not glory in its great deeds, and does not desire others to admire them, but keeps silent and leaves it to others to talk about them. Mamma, I will be silent too, cried the boy with glowing eyes. Oh, you shall see that I can be silent and not talk at all about myself. The king, meanwhile, followed by some gentlemen and servants, was coming forward with unaccustomed haste, and, in his eagerness to reach his wife, he had not noticed the beds, but was treading underfoot the last fading flowers of autumn. 
here you are at last marie said he when he was near enough to speak i wanted to go meet you to conduct you hither out of the park you were gone very long and i worried about you why worry sire asked the queen what danger could threaten me in our garden do not seek to hide anything from me marie said louis with a sigh i know everything the hate of the people denies us any longer the enjoyment of the open air lafayette and bailey were with me after they were dismissed by you they told me that you had given no favor to their united request and that you would not grant to general lafayette the right to protect you while you are taking your walks i hope your majesty is satisfied with me answered marie antoinette you feel like me that it is a new humiliation for us if we are to allow our very enjoyment of nature to be under the control of the people's general and if even the air is no longer to be free air for us i have only thought that in such unguarded walks you would be threatened with danger answered the king perplexed lafayette has painted to me in such dark and dreadful colors and i have so painfully had to confess that he speaks the truth that i could only think of your safety and take no other point of view than to see you sheltered from the attacks of your enemies and from the rage of those factions i have therefore approved lafayette's proposal and allowed him to protect your majesty on your walks but you have not fixed definite hours for my walks you have not done that sire have you i have indeed done that answered the king gently i am familiar with your habits and know that in autumn and winter you usually take your walks between twelve and two and in summer afternoons between five and seven i have therefore named these hours to general lafayette the queen heaved a deep sigh sire she said softly you yourself are binding tighter and tighter the chains of our imprisonment to-day you limit our freedom to two poor hours and that will be a precedent for others to continue what you have begun we shall after this walk for two hours daily under the protection of monsieur de lafayette but there will come a time when this protection will not suffice and no security will be great enough for us for the royal authority which shows itself weak and dependent and which does not draw power from itself the royalty which suffers its crown to be borne up for it by the hands of others confesses thereby that it is too weak to bear the burden itself oh sire i would rather you had let me break away from the rage of the people while i might be walking unguarded than be permitted to take my daily walks under the protection of monsieur de lafayette you see everything in too dark and sad a light cried the king everything will come out right if we are only wise and carefully conform to circumstances and by well-timed concessions and omissions propitiate this hate and bring this enmity to silence the queen did not reply she stooped down to the dauphin and pressing a kiss upon his locks whispered now yon may tell everything louis it is no longer necessary to keep silent about anything for silence were useless so tell of your heroism my son is it of heroism that you talk said the king whose nice ear had caught the words of the queen yes of heroism sire answered marie antoinette but it is with us as with don quixote we believed that we were fighting for our honor and our throne 
now we must confess that we only fought against windmills i beg you now sire to inform general lafayette that it is not necessary to call out his national guards on my account i shall not walk again and the queen kept her word never again during the winter did she go down into the gardens and park of the tuileries she never gave lafayette occasion to protect her but she at least gained thereby what lafayette wanted to reach by his national guard she held the populace away from the tuileries at first they stood in dense masses day after day along the fence of the park in the royal garden but when they saw that marie antoinette would no more expose herself to their curious and evil glances they grew tired of waiting for her and withdrew from the neighborhood of the tuileries but only to repair to their clubs and listen to the raving speeches which marat santerre and other officers hurled like poisoned arrows at the queen only to go into the national assembly and hear mirabeau and robespierre dante chenier pétion and all the rest the assembled representatives of the nation launch their thundering philippies against a royalty appointed by the grace of god and causing the people to believe that it was a royalty appointed by the wrath of god end of chapter fifteen part two recording by maggie travers in columbia tennessee